This morning we're starting a new series called Summer Mixtape. Summer Mixtape. So um, it's been a fun journey on this road trip, and now we are ready for the Summer Mixtape. So when you think of a mixtape, what do you think of? And this will tell us a little bit about kind of who's here. So think of a mixtape. Is this the first thing you think of right here? An, an eight-track. Eight-track. I'm not even sure if you can make a mixtape on this, but I wanted to check. So you can do that, I think. Maybe you're more like me, and this is what is the reminder. Yeah? Like John Cusack say anything, like holding his boombox, things like that. Maybe it's one of these. You burn a CD. Summer nights with friends. Summer nights with friends. Or maybe it's Apple Music, Spotify. Now, this is, I think, what everybody has now. But uh, the playlist, why, why do we make playlists? So Matt mentioned he has a great playlist last week. I stole most of that, and now it is a part of my, my playlist. But we make playlists for different things, like breakup songs, right? Songs for a breakup. Or exercise songs. How about wake-up songs? Anybody have wake-up songs? So when my wife and I first got married, we woke up to some different kinds of music. Um, and it's, it caused a little bit of tension because I like to wake up to something that immediately wakes you up, like shakes you. And she was a little bit more of a gentle waker-upper, so she didn't love uh, the music I played in the mornings. But um, we have our summer swimming playlist at my house, which I love. Turn that thing on and I just, just relax. But why do we make these mixtapes? Why do we do that? Because they make us feel something. They make us think or, or act a little bit differently. This, this music, it stirs something within us. And today what I want to talk about, um, you're going to be hearing some different voices uh, over the next few weeks, talking about a few different things. And uh, it's kind of like a mixtape. So hopefully these messages will stir something inside of you. Something will make you think differently, maybe act differently. You know, it's a different mixtape for the breakup song versus the, the exercise, right? And so you're, these are going to hit you in a little bit different ways. But uh, this morning, what I want to talk to you about is some of the different voices that uh, speak into our lives. Like I said, you're going to be seeing some different voices up here over the next few weeks. And uh, I believe, that, so I heard this quote from Andy Stanley a few years ago, and I think it's a, an awesome, it's a great, great quote. And it says this, your friends determine the quality and the direction of your life. Have you heard that before? Your friends determine the quality and the direction of your life. And I think that's true. I really do. The people you hang out with, you guys have heard it said, show me your friends and I'll show you your future, things like that. Well, I think that's really important. But I think even more than that, I think the voices that speak into your life determine the quality and the direction of your future. And let me tell you why I think that. Because I think your friends do, but I think beyond your friends, each of us have so many other voices speaking into our lives, right? So many other voices. And there are voices like uh, your family and your friends that encourage you. And, and, and those voices tell you truth. And they lift you up. And there are other voices that discourage you or tell you some lies or that push you down, right? There's media. Media shouts super loud, right? And there's all diff different voices coming at us in all different 
directions. Well, I think the voices that we choose to listen to determine the quality and the direction of our life. Do you guys believe that? This morning, we're going to be looking a little bit at the the story of Moses. But before we get there, here's a question I want us to be thinking about. What voices do we allow to speak into our lives? What voices? There's a lot shouting at you. And some of them are like, listen, 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 listen. Sometimes it's hard to tune them out, right? So take, take just a moment. What are the voices that are speaking to your life? What are some of the voices that have spoken into your life? Some of the good, some of the bad. Well, today is a unique day for me. Today would have been my grandfather's 106th birthday. So he was born in 1916, and uh, my grandpa was an amazing man and uh, grew up in Tennessee and Kentucky and Indiana in the Midwest, and uh, he was a surveyor, and then he turned to plumbing, and then he went to school um, to become a pastor. And so when I knew him, I knew him as a retired pastor, and uh, when I knew him, I knew him as a fisherman who would give me a lot of advice. So here's a couple of pictures of me and my grandpa right here. So that's me. Obviously, I'm the baby right in that one. That's me and my older brother. And this is me. I don't know what I was thinking, but apparently at one point in my life, I thought fluorescent clothes were really cool. <laughs> it's a little embarrassing. But uh, I have no idea what age I was, uh, when, I was <laughs> when I was in this picture. And I don't know why I'm showing it to you, quite frankly. But um, this is my, my grandma and my grandpa. My grandpa just spoke so many good things into my life. I remember when uh, my brother and I, right here, he was just a few months older than me, 16 months. We were best friends, and we would go fishing with grandpa. And my brother and I were a little bit different. Um, I have a lot of energy. And I, fishing for me was so fun, but I wanted to cast, and I wanted to reel, I wanted to cast, I wanted to reel, I wanted to cast, I wanted to reel, and I wanted to talk about it all the time. And my grandpa was like, oh my word. Joji, that's what he called me, Joji. <laughs> Settle down, relax. If you keep talking, you're going to scare the fish, right? <laughs> my grandpa spoke so much love into myself and to my family. I know my dad said one of the things he always remembered was my grandpa reminded him that he could do anything that he wanted to do. He had, and he would support him in that. My dad uh, um, is one of the ones I look up to in my life uh, probably more than anybody, but I know he learned so much of that wisdom from my grandfather. Uh, right before my, grand, my grandpa died, my brother, one of my older brothers, sat with him for several nights in a row, and he gave us this gift. My grandpa went through all the stories of his life, all the different things, and we recorded them on six CDs. So in my car, I have one of those I've been listening to a little bit, and it's so fun to hear the different stories of grandpa. And the funniest thing is my grandma correcting every single one of those stories. (laughs) But it's been such a precious gift uh, to hear the voice of my grandpa uh, speaking life. So what do these voices tell us? What do these voices tell us? So many voices 
that speak and, and so many dissenting voices among us. We're going to look at the life of Moses today, do a little ca- uh, case study in the life of Moses. Uh, and, and you find the story of Moses in a lot of the beginning of the Bible. And so if you are not familiar with it, um, you can go to the Bible Project, and uh, there's a QR code for you. And this will give you some video uh, just on the story of the Exodus. This is, uh, there's five videos. And because Moses' story is, is told over the, the books of Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and uh, all different parts of his life. And fascinating, fascinating study. Some of those parts you might get a little bit lost, but it's really fun. If you want to check out uh, some overviews of those Bible, uh, those books of the Bible, check out this QR code and it will take you to all these different videos. But we're going to start uh, looking at Moses. So uh, would you just bow your heads with me one, one more time this morning? God, this morning as we pause, as we reflect, as we think of the voices uh, that are in our life, Lord, I pray that your voice would be above them all. Lord, I pray that we would open up our ears, that we would have ears to listen. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So let's start with the story of Moses. Uh, the story of Moses really begins right before, you know, way before he was born. If you read Genesis, you hear all of his descendants, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob, uh, he wrestled with God and in, in in kind of towards the three quarters of the way through Genesis, and they changed his name to Israel. And he has a bunch of kids, the 12 tribes of Israel, uh, as, as we later get to know them. And so you read this story, and all of Jacob's sons, Joseph and all of his brothers, they... Uh, they get to Egypt. If you know the story of Joseph, it's an awesome story. One of my favorites because he was the youngest of a bunch of kids, and his name was Joseph, which was really cool. So Joseph uh, and his whole family settled in Egypt, and they sat there in Egypt, and God had given Abraham a promise that he would multiply their nation, his family, and that they would be a blessing all around the world. So that blessing happens in Egypt because they grow from these 12 families to an incredible-sized nation. But unfortunately, at the time of Moses, um, their nation had become slaves, and they were slaves to Egypt. Egypt was a thriving, uh, a thriving country. Pharaoh had, had taken the Israelites, and he'd uh, used them as slaves to build up his kingdom. And uh, he started to notice that Israel was starting to get pretty big. The Hebrews were becoming a force. And even though they were slaves, he was afraid of them. And so he made a decree that uh, every firstborn was, gonna, was going to be killed. And he told that to the Hebrew maidservants, and, but they feared God. And he said, and he told them, everyone that you help, you know, uh, deliver a baby, I want you to get rid of them. And he came back to them, and they're like, why haven't you done that? And they're like, oh, the Hebrews, they're just so strong. They had their babies before uh, we even get there. And uh, they, they wouldn't take part in it. And, and then he made it a decree that everybody had to. And, and so people were afraid. They were literally having to get up their firstborn or face the consequences. Well, Moses was born in that time. And his, his mom was like, I can't do it. No mother could, right? And, and he was giving up, or she, she raised him until she couldn't keep quiet anymore and put him in a basket. And his sister uh, put him in a basket down the river. And that's kind of where you pick up the story of Moses, where he's floating around this river. And the Pharaoh's daughter 
finds him. So a lot of you probably know the story of Moses, so um, I'll go through some of it kind of quickly because it's a lot of, lot of stories, but this first part of his, of, of his story is really told in just a couple of chapters at the beginning of Exodus. And so Moses is raised, raised in the house of Pharaoh. And now he got to spend some time with his, with his mom and with his sister as they helped raise him at the beginning. But Moses is raised really in the house of Pharaoh. So if you want to think about that for just a minute, his first 40 years or so of life, he's living in the house of Pharaoh, a Hebrew man, an Israelite. Pharaoh worshipped many gods. Pharaoh um, controlled uh, you know, this entire region. Pharaoh was a man who, who would say, I want more power, I want more wealth, I want to expand my kingdom, and I'll do anything I can to make that happen. So imagine the voices in that household that Moses is listening to, right? Right, that's how he's being raised. He's being raised to, to be told there are many gods, and if you can do all these different things uh, to please these gods, then you uh, will be blessed. And that's the first 40 years of his life, trying to figure that out. What is truth and what is not? And all the while, he's seeing his people under, uh, under the slavery being oppressed, and so one day, he goes out and he sees a Hebrew man fighting with an Egyptian, and he decides to do something about it. Moses is a man of justice, and he actually kills that Egyptian. He doesn't know if anybody's seen it. He kind of puts it away. He tries to, to hide it. The next day, he sees two Hebrews fighting, and he comes and he tries to stop it. And the Israelites, the Hebrews, they say, what, are you going to kill one of us like you killed that Egyptian? And he's scared because he thought he maybe got away with it, right? But they don't see him as a, as a Hebrew. They don't see him as an Israel. They see him like someone who's been born and raised in the house of Pharaoh. Yeah, maybe he stood up for us once, and maybe we know a little bit about him. But he's not really one of us, right? And Pharaoh gets really mad. And so Moses, after 40 years of living in Pharaoh's house, he runs out into the desert of Midian. It's to the east of Egypt. He runs out there and uh, he happens upon this well in Midian uh, where uh, some women are there and they are feeding and, and giving water to their flocks. And uh, these, others, uh, these other shepherds come and they try to push him out of the way. Moses, he doesn't stand for it, right? So he, he, he clears the way for these women to get what they need and actually gives water to the flocks. Their dad hears about it. His name um, is Jethro. And in what we know, we just know a little bit about this family, a little bit about this time in his life. And Jethro is, is told us to be, told to us to, that he is a priest. But it doesn't tell us what he's a priest of or who he actually worships. And, and so there's, uh, there's quite a bit of debate actually um, on, on who Jethro was a priest of. Uh, maybe he was a priest of, of other gods. And so, um, but there's also likely that he would have known of the Hebrew God. And so the next 40 years, Moses stays in the desert. So he spent 40 years with Pharaoh, 40 years in the desert. Think of all the voices that are being spoken into his life. All the different, all the different things that are being said. There are more gods. You, you know, what you need is power. Well, those 40 years where he's in Midian, 
are, I think, some healing years for him. He becomes a shepherd, which would have been a, a rough thing for someone living in Pharaoh's house to do, right? Someone who's been royalty, and he becomes a shepherd for 40 years. And there's some humility that has grown. And God, the other people may not know about who God is, but God, he doesn't care about that, right? God can make himself known. God can make himself known whether people know about him or not. He can speak. And so what he does is he makes himself known in a really interesting way as, uh, as Moses is out in the desert and he's tending his flocks and he's doing some cool things, you know, taking care of all the, all the sheep and things like that, sheep and the goats. He sees this bush that is on fire, but it's not being incinerated. What a marvel. And he knows that something is happening over there. And he hears the voice of God. And through this encounter, he meets the God of Israel. He says, I'm the God of Abraham. I'm the God of Isaac. I'm the God of Jacob. I'm that God. And over a course of events, what he tells Moses is, I've heard how the Egyptians have been treating the Israelites. And I hear the cry of Israel saying, give us freedom. And you're going to be the man that helps make that happen. Now listen to that. God spoke directly directly to Moses. He sees this amazing thing. And you know what Moses' response is? Me? I, I, I don't know. You know, like, I'm not a very good speaker. I need some help. Um, I don't know that I can do that. Go all the way back to Egypt? And who are you, by the way? How, how can you prove to me that you're God? He has all these questions. I mean, I, I would love to think that if I see a burning bush that starts talking to me, I'd listen, right? You guys would probably feel the same. But for some reason, that wasn't enough. Have you ever noticed that in your life too? I know I've noticed it in mine. There have been events where God has clearly orchestrated, where God has clearly spoken, and yet I have this doubt. I think all of us can struggle with that doubt, Right? Is this really what God wants? Is this really God's voice? Is there a different plan? Is there a better plan? Well, Moses struggled with that. After a while of doing some convincing and also seeing some amazing miracles, um, Moses went back to Egypt. And uh, it took a little bit of convincing of, to the Israelites that Moses was a prophet for God and, and um, he was given the name I Am or Yahweh by God. Moses said, what am I... Who am I supposed to tell them that sent me? And he said, tell them I am. I am Yahweh. An official name for God for the first time. Now think about this. And, and if you think about Moses, I want you to, to think in maybe a little different way. Moses didn't know or didn't have the law, right? He didn't have the Bible. How was he supposed to know about what God wanted for his life? Have you ever thought about that? Moses didn't have a book that told him all these different things. But God was showing some different things um, from time to time, and he spoke through Abraham, and he spoke through his descendants, and he worked through them, and they had this tradition that God had said, I want you to follow this tradition. But Moses didn't have what we have. If, uh, if we look at the life of, of Moses in Egypt, this is, this is an amazing part where he has 10 plagues that God, God does these 10 plagues to try to convince Pharaoh to let 
all the Israelites go. You guys, I'm sure you guys know this part of the story, right? There are 10 plagues, but there's a really interesting part that he says, um, Moses, um, Moses is told by God, I want you to do all these things so that he shall na- or so that you shall know that I am the Lord. So all these plagues, he said, we're going to do this so that Pharaoh knows that I am the Lord, that you know that I am the Lord, so Israelites know that I am the Lord. They will see the miraculous signs and know that I am. Know that I am. What an amazing voice. And Pharaoh, if you know the story, he sees all these things happening and you think that there's enough things happening that he would see the power of God. But in his arrogance, he denies that this is the one true God. Eventually, through all these different plagues um, and through some different series of events, the Israelites are granted freedom and, and he's done with it. He has done this last plague. They lose their firstborn. And, and Pharaoh says, get out of here. Go. I don't want you here anymore. And they take off into the desert. They get to the Red Sea, and all the Israelites look at Moses, and they're like, what have you done? We are sitting here at the Red Sea, and now Pharaoh's mad again, and he's following us. What have you done? I know all those crazy things that God did were incredible, but how can we put our faith in him now when there's imminent peril ahead of us? And Moses, again, he lifts up the rod of, that God has given him and this staff, and God does an amazing thing and splits the Red Sea, and they walk right through it. And as they get past it, the Egyptians try to follow, but the Red Sea comes in. Do you see these series of events where, where God continues to say, here's what I am, here's who I am, and the Israelites and the Egyptians keep saying, okay, sure, but then after a few moments, they turn away? This continues to happen. This continues to happen. Does this sound familiar to anybody else? Because this is also my life. And I'm guessing sometimes this might feel like your life. Well, the voice of God can be a powerful thing. But often our doubts and our fears, as we just saying, our fears don't stand a chance in God, but our fears tend to take over us when we don't lean on him, right? So, after, uh, after his time, uh, they spent about 40 years in the desert. So they spent 40 years uh, in Pharaoh's house. He spent 40 years in Midian. Now he's taken all of Israel. In this next 40 years, I'm not going to go through all of it, but this is the largest section that, that you would read um, of, of the travels of Israel. And God continues to speak and speak and speak. In fact, what he does is so amazing. He says, so you know that I am God. I am going to be a pillar. I'm going to be a, a pillar of fire and a cloud that goes in, in front of you, something you can visibly see so that when you hear the voice of God, there will be no doubt that I am here and that I am faithful. And it's an amazing thing because uh, God invites Moses to come back to that first mountain that he talked to him at, at the burning bush. And he says, I want you to go back to that mountain. And, and he says, this blessing, you know, you remember the beginning of Genesis when God was with Adam and Eve? And then because of their sin, he is no longer a part of them. Well, this, this curse, now God's presence is back right there. 
right there. Now, God has been, been there the whole time, but he makes it known in a different way. God's presence is on top of this mountain where the people can see it. What an amazing gift, God's presence visibly seen. And over the next uh, 40 years, God says, you know what, if you're not going to see me up here on this mountain, I'm going to live among you. And they make him a tabernacle, and uh, they, they, are, they have the presence of God right there in camp. And God continues to speak to Moses. He continues to speak through Moses, and Moses continues to speak to the nation of Israel. And you know what? Just like you and I, the nation of Israel sometimes falls to their knees in worship and says, this is the great God, and we will, we will obey and sometimes they do whatever they, else, whatever they want to do, you know? At one point, it's so amazing. God is up on the mountain. Moses is up uh, on the mountain with him, and God is speaking to Moses. And you know what? The people of Israel, they just get so impatient. They're like, I cannot wait for this guy to come down. And uh, they make themselves another God. While the God is I am, Yahweh, is right there in their presence, and they make another God. They break a commandment, don't make any gods before me, right there. Why? Because they're impatient. I know I've been there. I'm like, God, all right, I'm going to give you a couple of days to answer this prayer, all right? <laughs> a couple of days. I'm going to give you some time, you know? And after a couple of days, if I, if I don't feel like I've heard from God, all right, I'll give you one more day. All right, I'll do something else or I make another deal with God. But often, often I'm just impatient, too impatient to hear the voice of God. Moses, I got to be honest, Moses has raked through the coals for 40 years with the Israelite nation. Man, they are brutal to him. They're like, oh, you're our leader. Oh, we hate you. Oh, you know, even his brother and his sister, they turn against him at time. And, they're, and they, they say, Moses, why did you bring us out here only to, to see us dead? Were there not enough graveyards in Egypt that we could have just died there? What are you doing? Yet God had a promise for them, and he had, he had a plan, and he had a blessing. But it was just so hard for them to hear because the voices kept coming back of doubt. And Moses was in the middle of it. Think of all the voices that he's heard now. He's in the Israelite camp, and he has his brother, his trusted bro, and, and this guy is supposed to be a man who follows after God's heart, and he's like, I don't know what you're doing, Moses. I, I don't know what you're doing. I think you're kind of crazy right now. And he has a sister. He has a sister who walked along when he was a baby, uh, you know, while he was in a basket. That sister is hanging out with him, and she's like, I just don't know that we can trust God, Moses. And then he has literally the voice of God saying, you can trust me, I am faithful. Throughout those 40 years, we see God respond in faithfulness. So many times they turn away, and God's response is judgment, justice, and love. Judgment, justice, and love. Because God is a just and a good God. And he continues to give them opportunities to accept the blessing, the promise that he set before them. Now, it's an amazing story, and if, and if, uh, if I had more time and if, um, you know, in, in a longer series, it'd be fun to, to look through the life of Moses in all of these different, in different ways. But there are so many different things that happen in Moses' life that uh, so many voices speaking to him. But there comes a time in that 40 years where God says, this nation has rebelled against me so much, 
Those who came into this desert are not going to see their way out of the desert. They're never going to reach the promised land that I promised. Their kids will, but not them. And unfortunately, Moses at one point disqualifies himself as well because he turns away and he acts on his own. And he takes that own voice inside of him, I can do better than God. And so he doesn't get the opportunity as well. But their children, their children get to see the blessing. Now, like I said, the story of Moses is long and there's so many turns. And I've already given you so, uh, just a, a little bit of a glimpse on it. But it makes me think about if I were Moses, if I were those people, if I had all of those voices, what would I do? What would I do? And I think there's some ways that we can, as uh, in our time, that we can hear from God. And I think uh, the first, first way I think that God speaks, the first way that we can tune into God's voice is through Scripture. Do you believe that too? We can turn and tune into God's voice through Scripture. It's literally God's word that he's left for you and left for me. There's some, um, some great uh, writing uh, in, in, the, in the word. In Hebrews, it says this, Long ago and at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers through the prophets. But in the last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed to be heir of all things, and through him he also created the world. So the writer of Hebrews says, God's spoken in so many different ways and in so many different times through all the different prophets, but the person that we look to is Jesus. And so for us, I would encourage you to hear the voice of God. You should be looking at the teachings of Jesus. I want to look at the teachings of Jesus. He's not done in, two, in Hebrews 2. He says this, Therefore we must pay uh, much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. This writer is saying, just like the Israelites and just like humanity has continued to uh, believe in God, walk away from God, believe in God, walk away from God. We have not been faithful, but God has been faithful through all of this. So pay attention. I think another way that we can hear the voice of God is through his spirit. His spirit is here right now. And so many times in my life, now I know this is, a tricky, this is a tricky one. So many times in my life I've asked for God's voice. I've asked for his spirit to speak. And sometimes I think it is hard. It's kind of a mysterious thing, God's spirit, how it speaks to us. But this is a promise from Jesus um, that he says, And I will ask the Father. He will give you another advocate. This is in John. Who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who will lead you into what? Into all truth. Into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him, but you know him because he lives with you. Now and later, he will be in you. That's a promise from Jesus, that his spirit will be in us. And we can trust God's spirit. A couple other ways I think we can hear from God um, some of our trusted leaders here in the church, I know Matt gets up here almost every week, and I love to hear Matt teach. I think God's gifted him in an amazing way. And I think God has put him in this place as a trusted leader for you and I to listen to. God does that. He's also put you in a community where he wants to use the people around you to speak truth. 
He wants to use their voice in a mighty way too. I know I've sat in small group after small group uh, with some of my trusted and best friends, and they have spoken truth into me in some mighty ways, in some amazing ways. Sometimes they, they'll, they'll speak um, words of caution. Sometimes they'll speak words of encouragement, words of discernment. Sometimes they'll speak um, and just say, hey, maybe you should try this. They'll have some questions. But if you really want to listen for the voice of God, I think these are the ways you can do it. Now, there's more, definitely. These are just four. Scripture, God's spirit, trusted leadership in the communities put you in. I know God speaks to me uh, through nature. And when I take time to, to be quiet, I can see God speaking. In my life, I also notice that there's some barriers to listening to God. Sometimes I'm just too busy. Sometimes I don't like the answers that God has for me, right? When I read scripture, I'm like, are you kidding me? I really don't want to do that. I think that's uh, for somebody else. I'm not, not too interested in that. Sometimes we're impatient. I know that I am. Sometimes we just simply don't trust God, right? The nation of Israel had this so many times when they just couldn't trust God. And they're like, but, but if you did it this way, wouldn't it be better? Have you ever thought that? I know I have. I'm like, come on, God. What if we just did this? And then, you know, if I made all this kind of money, I could probably give much more of it back. And then I would be able to bless in this way. And then I'd be able to take that trip to Spain I always wanted, which I know you'd want me to see, you know, and all these different things. I have this plan, right? But I want to trust God. There are definitely some barriers. For Moses, at the end of his life, in Deuteronomy, if you skip all the way up to Deuteronomy, he has this, basically the sermon of all these things I've learned to the nation of Israel. And at one point he says, what I want you to do is I want you to choose life and listen and follow the voice of God. Choose life. He encourages them, please, choose life by choosing God. Listen to that voice above all others. At the end of his life, uh, Moses speaks to the nation, and he goes up on this mountain. This dude's 120 years old, and he walks up on top of a mountain, all right? Walks up onto the top of a mountain, overseeing the promised land, this land that he has journeyed for for the last 80 years, or 40 years, really. And uh, he sees it. For me, I think I'd be a little bit bitter, right? <laughs> like, I can see the promised land, but I can't go in it. But I don't think that's where Moses was. He spent so much time with the Lord, and it changed his life in such a radical way. There's this wonderful quote that I came by um, a long time ago. We were reading this book with a few of our pastors, and I remember this uh, quote from Ruth Haley Barton. For Moses, the presence of God was his promised land. How great is that? The presence of God was his promised land. It wasn't about this destination, but it was about this presence of being near God, of hearing his voice. For you and I, I hope that we can say that, that God, his voice, is our promised land. I want to end with just a couple of quick questions. Um, over the next few weeks, 
If you're looking for the voice of God, will you do a few of these things? Will you take some time to sit with God and listen for his voice? Will you take some time? It's going to take some time. It's going to take some attention. Will you sift through the other voices that are speaking in your life? And finally, do you believe that God is good? Do you believe that God's good? That what he says he will do, that he is faithful, and that his plan is good? This morning, uh, we want to spend some time. Uh, just uh, one, we're going to have a, a song of worship, and uh, we have a time where you can respond and worship. And if you want to take some time today, uh, light, as we read in the story of Moses, represented the power or the presence of God. That was the presence of God. So if you want to uh, light a candle, just signifying, I, I want the presence of God in my life. Or if you want to take some communion, we have that in the back, representing the sacrifice of Jesus for you and for me. We have a prayer wall if you need some prayer. But I want to encourage you this morning to seek after God. I believe his voice is the voice that we need to be paying attention to, opening up our ears, opening up our lives to. And like the nation of Israel, I believe that God is not asking or not calling you into perfection, but he is calling you into a direction. He's calling you into the direction of following Jesus. And his grace is sufficient enough when we can't right? His grace, just like Israel, he was so faithful. His grace is sufficient enough for you, and it's sufficient enough for me. Would you stand with me this morning? God, we want to turn our hearts and our minds to you, and Lord, I pray that uh, we would listen to your voice. Lord, may we have open ears, open hearts, May your spirit speak. In Jesus' name, amen.